Thanks, brother. Hey, good morning, everybody. Stay with me if you would. You guys doing good? Man, didn't you enjoy worshiping today? Come on, let's just thank God one more time for his goodness. Come on, give him your very best praise. Let's thank God for his grace. And come on, like you mean it today. Lord, we thank you. We love you. You're an awesome God. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Let's pray. Father, we pray over these next few moments. Lord, as we open our hearts and we open your word, that you would speak to us, that you'd change us, that we'd never be the same again. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would bless Pastor Michael and Amanda as they are traveling, being refreshed, enjoying their family. Lord, I just pray your grace over them. Uh, thank you for your incredible uh, love for us. What a joy it is to worship uh, together and to honor you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for this day. And everybody said, Come on, everybody said, Amen. Well, let's thank God one more time. It's a good God. Amen. Well, it's so good to be here with you. In just a moment, I'll have you be seated, uh, but it's a joy to be here. Um, Michelle and I, my beautiful bride, we have had the honor and the privilege to be friends, your pastors, from the very beginning when this church was planted. And it's such a joy to see all that God's doing in and through the church. It's truly an honor to be here with you today. Uh, I like to begin each time I speak with an attempt at humor. Is that okay? All right, one person said it is, so we'll do it. A little girl was perplexed about how the world was created, so she asked her mom, and her mommy said, well, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and that's how all mankind was made. Two days later, the little girl asked her dad the same question. The father answered, well, sweetheart, many years ago, uh, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mom and said, mom, how is it possible you told me the human race was created by God? And daddy said that we came from monkeys. The mother paused for a moment. She said, well, sweetheart, it's actually quite simple. I was telling you about my side of the family. He was telling you about his side of the family. That's terrible. Again, turn to your neighbor, neighbor and say, I hope it gets better than that. I hope it gets better. It's good. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, you look so much better than last week. Come on, give him some love today. Again, grab a seat if you would. It's a joy to be with you. How many of you did a road trip this summer? Anybody do a road trip this summer? I know you've been doing this series on road trip, and I kind of mentioned this uh, thought, and I think I told this story years ago. I'll do a condensed version. Uh, my wife and I, we have five kids. We really like each other, and God's blessed us, and, and uh, they're, they're getting a little bit uh, older now. We have two that have graduated, three teenagers in the house, and uh, it's fantastic. We absolutely love it. But when they were little, uh, we would travel off into Florida. In fact, my wife and I and the family were flying there uh, later uh, this afternoon, and it's my, uh, where my wife is from, and so we like to go to the homeland as much as uh, we possibly can. And, uh, but we were traveling via our Suburban at this point in time. We were about midway through the trip. It was a Sunday afternoon. Chick-fil-A was not open. And we were traveling down 95. And we were somewhere down south. And uh, something flew off another vehicle. I'm not really sure what it was. But uh, we were just driving along. I had just closed the interior of the sunroof because our kids wanted to watch movies. And uh, something hit uh, not the side of my car, not back, but directly on top of the sunroof, shattered the sunroof. It was actually quite amazing because uh, we had just closed it a brief time before, and if it would have been open, that glass would have come at a very high rate of speed at my children. So the Lord watched over us, and, uh, and 
man, we could hear all the glass, and my wife said, what are you going to do? And so I did what most men do. I said, I have no idea, but I'm going to pretend. And I said, let's find, let's find Walmart. And so we went to Walmart, and I was like, we need some plastic, and we need a lot of duct tape. And so I spent the next 20, 30 minutes in the hot sun on top of the Suburban uh, with plastic duct taping it with uh, as much tape as I possibly could, with as great of detail as I possibly could. We got out back on the road. About two minutes later, I heard, pop, 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 pop. I pulled over, realized, okay, it had, uh, it had come up. The, the tape didn't work. Duct tape doesn't fix everything, though I tried three or four more times. And then just realized, okay, there's nothing we can do. So I just drove, and we drove right in the storms. And for the next eight or nine hours, in and out of storms, as rain was coming in through the hole at the top of our vehicle, dripping down all through the car, dripping down on our, on our kids. And my wife's saying, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. It was not a good trip. It was not a good moment. Finally, we made it to our destination, and we were able to get it fixed, and we moved on uh, from that. And, but I want to talk about for a few moments today is this thing. We are on a journey in, in life, and a lot of times there's, well, there's openings in our lives that can cause discomfort and pain and bring things that should not be there. And one of the things that can cause a lot of pain in your life or a lot of blessing is the idea that I want to teach you for a few moments today. And it's this idea around honor. Everybody say honor. honor. Come on, a little bit loud, loud enough to annoy your neighbor. Everybody say honor. honor. That's, that's pretty good. You did it. Uh, so we're going to talk about honor for a few moments. Now, in the Old Testament, the word honor comes from uh, the Hebrew word kabod. And it's talk about glory or, or weightiness. In the New Testament, it comes from the word temei, and it means to respect or to highly esteem. But I like to give a slightly different definition of honor, kind of combine those things. When you honor someone or something, you treat them as if they are irreplaceable. And so I want to teach you and talk to you about honor because this, uh, this is a big deal. The Bible is a book of honor. The first four commands are about honoring up to God. The next six commands are about honoring one another. Honor opens up what God wants to do in your life. Where dishonor is present, it opens us up to the elements, things that should not be there in our lives. And, and it, it makes the journey very difficult. But honor covers covers uh, over the negative in our lives, and it teaches us to live from a place of blessing. So I love, to, I love to honor, and I wanted to honor my son, Colby. He turned 16 years uh, of age, right around Father's Day, and my wife said, hey, what do you want to do on Father's Day? We're just going to stay home, but then I had an idea. I said, no, we need to go to Texas Roadhouse. Anybody like Texas Roadhouse? I, I really like that, and I didn't want to go necessarily. I liked their food, I wanted to go because I wanted to honor my son. Because at Texas Roadhouse, they have the saddle. If it's your birthday or any of these things, you can go there and you can let the waiter or waitress know. And uh, you can tell them, hey, it's so-and-so's birthday, and they will do this. Watch this. There it is. They'll bring the saddle to your, to your table. They were very excited to watch this. He was obviously not very excited to do this.
fantastic. Now, as a parent, parents, you understand this. You love to traumatize your children to make them stronger. So I just wanted to honor him. We laughed. We had a great time. We talked about it. I put it on social media. He said, don't ever use that in a message and show people. So I didn't listen. Uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted to honor him. Now, the Bible teaches us how to become a person of honor. And I want to teach you that for a few moments today. As I said, the Bible is a, a book of honor. And there's lots of stories I could give you that would teach this concept. In fact, the story of Joseph, Genesis 39 to 50, it, it showcases honor in a variety of ways. Despite facing betrayal, false accusations, and imprisonment, he remained faithful to God and he honored those in authority. His story teaches us the value of honoring God's plan, displaying integrity, and forgiving others. The story of David and Saul in 1 Samuel 24 to 26. In this account, David had multiple opportunities to harm King Saul, who was seeking to kill him, if you know the story. However, David chose to honor Saul's position as God's anointed king over Israel, and he refused to take matters into his own hands. The story demonstrates the importance of honoring those in authority. Oh, how about the story of Ruth and Naomi? In the book of Ruth, Ruth's loyalty and devotion to her mother-in-law, Naomi, serves as an example of honoring family relationships. The story of Esther, well, in the book of Esther, it speaks of Esther's courage and willingness to risk her life to save her people uh, and uh, the, the people group that she was a part of. And even though it was dangerous, she wanted to honor her Jewish identity and the Jewish people in that way. There's so many different stories uh, that we could go in depth, but I want to share just for a few moments to set this up. A uh, story that's found in Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 18. Now, the context of this is found immediately after the account of Noah and the flood. After the floodwaters receded and Noah and his family emerged from the ark, we had the rainbow, which was a reminder of God's judgment and a symbol and a picture of his grace and his mercy. And they came off the ark and they were starting over. God made a covenant with Noah and his descendants that he would never destroy the earth in that way uh, again. And then the story unfolds that they come off the ark and Noah, well, he plants a vineyard and one day he... He drinks wine, and things go really bad from here. So let's pick it up, verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Now Ham is the father of Canaan. And from these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk and laid naked inside of his tent. So you got to think from God's perspective, perspective man, I, I wiped out all the sin, we started over, and what's one of the first things they do? Get hammered and ruin it. Okay, Jesus, get ready. We're going to have to fix this thing completely. But Noah's there, and, and he's he, not a good moment. He's naked inside of his tent. It's not, it's not a, a, a comfortable story. It's kind of odd. And the Bible says this is what happened, uh, that uh, Ham, uh, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked. And he went outside and he told his brothers. So this is kind of like, he's like, hey, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let social, I'm going to upstate, uh, I'm going to update uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and tell them about my, my butt naked daddy and what he did and, and, you know, all the dishonor. And he spread that dishonor. Now, it may not seem like a big deal to you when you first hear it, but a seed of dishonor will bring destruction into your life. The Bible says that, uh, that Shem and Jephthah then took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent and covered over their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor and learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done, he then cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed, may he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Jephthah. May Jephthah share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. Honor is a big deal to God. And I want to talk to you about it because everything in life is better with honor. Uh, my son's birthday was so much better when I decided to honor him in that way. Uh, I don't know if you enjoy cooking out, but generally we have like a favorite barbecue sauce. Or some of you like hot sauce. Where's my hot sauce, people? Yeah, you put it on like scrambled eggs and all kind of weird things like that. But you say, it's better for me. Dark chocolate makes everything better. Come on, somebody. It's enjoy. But honor makes life better. A few thoughts about honor. You cannot honor what you don't recognize. See, Shem and Jephthah understood that this was an opportunity for them to honor their father. Ham took it as a moment to dishonor his father. They all saw the same thing, but only two recognized the moment for what it was from God's perspective. They just didn't recognize it, and, uh, and because Ham didn't recognize it, it brought a seed of dishonor into his future. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Do you take the time to recognize the opportunities all around you to bring honor into your life and to your world? Many times we go past the people that we say we love. We go past our spouse, our children, our family, others in our world, and, and we just kind of treat them as common, as ordinary, instead of irreplaceable. Many times when we think about God and His Word and all that He's done for us and being with the people of God and worshiping together, oh, it's just another Sunday, it's just another this, another that, and whatever you don't honor leaves your life. I want to encourage you to make sure that you're going to bring your honor to a whole nother level. Let me tell you this story. At 18 years of age, my father volunteered to become a Marine and serve in the Vietnam War, in part because he really liked uh, their uniforms. So he served in the Special Forces of the United States Marine Corps from 1967 to 1969. He served with distinction. He received a Purple Heart, a Bronze Star, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and a presidential unit citation for his heroic actions in battle. In the midst of the fierce battle, approximately 90 Marines on this particular day lost their lives in the attack, including the man next to my father. My dad made it out alive unscathed, though he was hit in the chest with shrapnel. Miraculously, the shrapnel that was headed for his heart stopped. How? Well, let me tell you how. 
In January of 1967, Reverend Paul Basham, uh, who pastored a Nazarene uh, church in uh, Collingdale, sent a pocket-sized New Testament to my dad. My dad wasn't a Christian, a churchgoer. You know, he wasn't uh, uh, so enclosed. Um, somehow he found out uh, through family or whatever that my dad was uh, serving in the war, and he wanted to honor my dad. So on behalf of the church, or maybe he sent it out, they sent this pocket-sized New Testament. This is the original one all those years ago. My dad wasn't a Bible reader. He just kind of used it as a good luck charm. And he put it in his uniform right here. The exact location that would be necessary to stop the shrapnel from piercing his heart and ending his life. In fact, we have a picture of that Bible. You can go through the Bible and you can see where that shrapnel just stopped short of going through it and ending his life. It's a miraculous story. Nine years later, the God of that Bible would save his life for all of eternity. Suffering from extreme PTSD, addicted to drugs and alcohol, and still hung over from a weekend binge, my dad showed up to a church service on a Sunday night, similar to a church service like this, gave his heart to Jesus, was instantaneously set free by the power of God from all of his addictions, and God began to do a work in and through his life. Come on, isn't that good? Come on, aren't you thankful for the God who is alive and powerful and still changes people? It would not have happened if Reverend Paul Basham would not have made the decision to recognize how he could honor my father. That one act set in motion a generational blessing. My dad was saved, his life, and then he was saved by Jesus. My dad led his family to Jesus. Then he led me, uh, my sisters, uh, all the, the kids that they would adopt into the future, and now thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to know Jesus because of that seed of honor, and I'm so thankful for the grace of God. See, here's what you know. When you recognize the opportunity to honor, it will elevate your life. Dishonor will deteriorate your life. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Sam, his youngest, uh, or what Ham, his, his youngest son, had, had done. Then he cursed Canaan. In Genesis chapter 10, the descendants are Can of Canaan are listed. They include the Sidonians, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, the Parasites, and the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah's curse and prophecy came true during the time of Joshua. The Canaanites, the descendants of Ham, were conquered by the Israelites, the descendants of Shem. Of Shem. True to God's word, some of the Canaanites became slaves. See, when you sow a seed of honor to your life, it brings a harvest of blessing into your future. But the same is true on the negative. When you sow a seed of dishonor into your life, it brings, it brings these things that you hadn't planned for. It impacted Ham's life in ways that he never thought would, and the same is true for you and I. We have the divine power to choose. God wants you to live a life of honor to sow the right things because honor, everybody say honor, it qualifies you to enter into any future that God has for you. Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God ex expand the territory of Jephthah, Jephthah, because they made the decision to honor their father. It opened up the windows of heaven and brought blessing and favor over their lives. 
Here's another thought about honor. Honor unlocks the possibilities of heaven. In Matthew chapter 13, we see where Jesus had just finished uh, these parables and he moved on to a new location. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers uh, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? When, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. See, honor unlocks the possibilities of heaven. When you honor the Word of God, when you honor uh, the people of God, when you honor what God gives you, it opens up everything that God wants to do in your life. In Jesus' hometown, only a few miracles. God, Jesus was not able to do what he wanted to do because of their lack of honor. On the reverse, when we make a decision that we're going to honor the Lord, then it opens up uh, the potential and the possibilities of heaven. I'm going to ask you today, are you a person of honor. I'm going to teach you a, a saying. I'm going to say it first, and then I want you to repeat it after me, and I hope that you'll take this with you uh, uh, to the parking lot, into the week, and uh, it'll be a part of how you work this out throughout this week by the Holy Spirit. But here's the saying that uh, I've, I think I've shared this over the years here, and I share this with our church often, but it's honor up, honor down, honor all around. All right, come on, say it after me. Honor up, honor down, Honor all around. Come on, one more time, a little bit louder. Honor up. Honor down. Honor all around. How do you become a person of honor? I was speaking with my mom a few years ago. My dad has since gone to be with the Lord. And I was talking uh, with my mom just about her story and her life, retelling the stories. And uh, she was just sharing with me again. Her dad was in World War II. He was sick with PTSD, got lost in the jungle for a month, and when he came back to the States, he wasn't right. He, was, he, he had a lot of issues that would take many years uh, to ultimately be resolved. Now, God would restore and bring uh, my grandfather and my grandmother back together, but for a number of years, they were separated. My grandmother, uh, with my mom and, and uh, all of uh, her siblings, uh, it was very difficult with a, a large family, dad wasn't in the picture. She was trying to make ends meet. During my mom's growing up years, she moved 23 times. Extreme poverty, depending on the kindness of strangers, of family, and ultimately, as my grandmother was having a nervous breakdown, not sure how to make sense out of her life, she decided to turn to her faith and to turn to the Lord. And everywhere, my mom said that they went, Whenever they would move, they would find the local church, and they would show up there. Whenever it was open, whenever there was a service, they could. They were always there. And to this day, my mother and all of her siblings are followers of Jesus because of that decision. My, God, my mom would go on to give her life to Jesus, and then she would marry a vet with major issues just like her father. She would marry my dad. She would care for him. She'd raise me and my, my two sisters along with the numerous foster kids they cared for over the years. And then the five additional kids they chose to adopt later in life. 
many with disabilities. That didn't keep her, though, from serving in the children's ministry, even as she approached 70 years of age. She still is a part of our church in Freedom Life Center County, which is a few hours away from us. And she told me the reason that she served in children's ministry, even that late in life, and would if she was physically able to today, she said she did that because she remembers being a little girl, not knowing what was going to happen next, where they were going to live next. And all the people she encountered in Jesus' church that loved her, that cared for her, that shaped her life. And she wanted just to, all the, all the years that she could, she wanted to do the same thing. She made a decision to live a life of honor. What an incredible example that was to me. And if we're going to live that kind of life that God wants us, where we, we, we're an honor-filled person and we experience all that God has for us, then we have to learn to honor up, to honor down, and to honor all around. What does that mean? How do we do that? Well, we honor up to God. We honor his word. Uh, Exodus 23, God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This is big in our culture, beginning with yourself, because we worship ourselves enough. I'll live how I want to live. I can be whoever I want to be. I can even pick which gender I want to be, whatever I want to do. I'm in charge. I'm God. And God's like, no, 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 no. You have to honor me. How do we honor God? Well, we honor God with our hearts. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they've been taught. I want to encourage you to make a decision. Ask yourself the question online and in the house. Are you honoring the Lord by lip service? Are you really honoring the Lord from your heart? Well, how would we, we know that? Well, here's kind of how it plays out. We need to honor God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you when you're a follower of Jesus, whom you've received from God? You, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The context of this, he's talking about sexual immorality. And what sexual immorality is, is all sex outside of a marriage covenant between a biological man and a biological woman. That's what it means. God says, I condemn uh, all of these things. It's toeva. It's, rep it's uh, repulsive to me. And so you need to honor me with your body. The Bible says uh, and teaches us another way that we honor God is with our money, our finances. Proverbs chapter 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. And then there's a, a promise that you'll be blessed. We know the tithe was a principle before the law was ever given. We know that tithing is a principle even after the law was fulfilled in Jesus. It teaches us to put God first. And I love teaching my children, and I love doing this in my own life, tithing and being generous, because I know that you cannot outgive God. And it's a reminder to me, every week when I, I give and a tithes and offerings, it's a reminder to me that God, Lord, it's all yours. You're the owner. I'm the manager. I'm only alive for a little while, and then I have to give an account of my life and how I've lived my life. And Lord, I place it first before you. What about honoring down? What does that look like? What does that mean? Honoring down to others. 
it's really in vogue in our culture to be dishonorable. It has been for many years. We're living through a cultural revolution in our time that mirrors something that happened in, uh, from 1966 to 1976. It was the Chinese Cultural Revolution under Chairman Mao. Uh, and it was a power struggle, and there was a campaign that said we need to get rid of the four olds. We need to throw off all of our old customs. We need to throw off our old culture, old habits, and old ideas. They did that by teaching the young, the young people through a little red book to turn against their parents. They tore down all the statues in their culture they publicly shamed everyone that didn't go along, and then they turned their parents to the, uh, through the, the indoctrination, through their schooling, uh, uh, their children against their parents, and to the children submitted, and then a cultural revolu revolution of communism happened and transformed that country, and many, many people died, and it was a horrific time. Now, what we've lived through the last couple years mirror some of those very same things. And our culture is in vogue to don't honor your parents. Now listen, you may have had bad parents, a parent that wasn't around. Maybe one of the only things you can, be thank, you can thank your parents for is that they weren't careful and they had you. But you can decide today, you know what? God, you've chosen. I didn't come from them. I came through them. And God, I thank you for my parents. Maybe you had great parents. Maybe they were, sometimes were good, sometimes, whatever you do, make a decision that you're going to honor. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Ephesians 6 says, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. You'll have long life on the earth. The culture wants to separate the generations, mockery, uh, wants to view everything through the lens of the negative when God says, no, no, I want you to learn how to be people of honor. What about honoring your spouse? Do you refer to your spouse like the old ball and chain? Are you negative in front of your children? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Remember the story I told you about Jesus, where he can only do a few miracles in his hometown because of a lack of honor? Again, uh, Peter's warning us, like, listen, this will impact your prayers. It'll bring negativity in your, in your life. What's negativity? Negativity is nothing, uh, nothing more than looking at life from the devil's perspective that you're going to see life and see others from the base nature of man, from the flesh and from the devil's perspective. God desires that you'll experience that grace. Ephesians 5 says, Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect or honor her husband. In Hebrews 13, it says, Marriage, marriage is what brings us together. I'll do it for even two people. Here we go. Marriage should be honored by all. Did you hear that? Marriage should be honored by all, beginning with you. And the marriage bed kept pure. That means we don't, we don't have sex with other people uh, in our minds, in our hearts, through pornography, through acting it out. No, no, no. We, we, need to, we need to honor. The Bible says where God will judge the, the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. What about this? Honoring your grandparents. 
honoring those that are older. Everybody wants to stay young, which is cool. You should take good care of yourself. You should, uh, you should try to eat healthy and exercise, but, but growing older, the Bible says that gray hair is a blessing. And it would, I'd be happy for any hair. I'd take gray hair. Come on, somebody. But the Bible says that, that we should honor the elderly. Leviticus 19, stand up in the presence of the elderly. Show respect for the aged. Fear your God, for I am the Lord. Proverbs 17, 6. Children's children are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life. Don't despise your mother when she is old. 1 Timothy 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as he were your father. Honor up, honor down. How are you talking about the people that you're related to? How do you talk about your children? How do you talk about your family? How do you talk about what God has given to you? You might say, Sam, you don't understand. There's so many things. No, no, no I get that. There are so many things. But what can you find that you'll honor? I'm not talking about covering up. Noah hammered, naked, embarrassed in the tent. But his son said, we're not covering up. He did it. But we're going to cover over. We're going to say, you're still my dad, and I'm still going to honor you, and I'm going to love you. How about this? Honor all around. Honor all around to those in authority. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor everyone that you can. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others. Honor others above yourself. In Romans 13, it says, give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Revenue, then revenue. Respect, then respect. If honor, then give honor. So I want to close with this story. So we talk about honoring up, honoring down, honoring all around. My son, uh, I don't remember if it was when he was 16 or 18, but I said, uh, my oldest son, I'm going I'm to take you and I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you about honor. We need to have a father-son time. We're going to go on a trip. We're going to go to Washington, D.C. He's like, okay. And I said, I'll tell you now. I'll explain when we get there. And when we got there, we, we eventually we made our way in the evening. There's a picture of us I had posted in my social media uh, story a few years ago. And I said, Caleb, uh, I want to I teach you, I want to tell you something so that you will honor what God has given to you. Uh, you've been blessed, all that God has given to us, our family. And, and I said, but you need to know a little bit more. I told you about your, your, your grandfather and, and what uh, that reverend did to sow a seat of honor that would ultimately save my life so that Jesus could save his life. I said, but we're going to go to the Vietnam Memorial. I told him, I said, years ago, we went with my dad to the Vietnam Memorial. I was just a young man, a young teenager. We made it to the entrance. And as we were at the entrance, and they had a little book there at the time. My dad was getting ready to look through it. He wanted to find his friends that died in the war, those that he served with. Emotions came over him. He fell apart, literally fell apart on the ground. It was a mess. My mom would help him as the PTSD and the flashbacks. And ultimately, uh, we never went to the Vietnam Memorial. 
We left, we went on, and all the decades after, my dad never went his entire life. Well, my dad, who's been with the Lord for about a year and a half, he'd been sick, and I said, I, said, I, I want to do this for my son. I, I want to do this for my father as well. So we went there, and we found the name. We looked for a couple of his friends, but there's one name in particular. I found it online. I'd asked him again, hey, who is that guy? And he told me his name. His name was Larry Porter. And I explained to my son. We found his name. I took some pictures of it. I didn't tell my dad. I, I texted it to him. I said, Dad, I just want to let you know that we found Larry. And I told Caleb all about him. And I got to pray for him and challenge him to be a good man. You see, Larry was not just another name on that wall. Larry is one of my dad's friends who was beside him in a major firefight, a way that they would describe, uh, that was happening in the jungles. And someone had broken through the line, and, and uh, there was a lot of people being shot and dying, and someone emerged, and right at my dad was getting ready to shoot him. And Larry... Given the circumstance, the situation, all that he could do and had time to do was to step in front of my father and take the bullet. He died that day in my dad's arms, saved his life. And I told my son, I said, listen, our culture, everybody thinks everyone owes them something. And our country, and it's negative and all these things, but I want you to know something something, son. You have the privilege and honor to live in the greatest, most freest nation, not perfect, but in the history of the world. There's never been anything like it. And your grandfather should not be alive today, which means I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here. But God oversaw his life. And then a man stood and he, and he stepped in your grandfather's place so that he could live so that I could live, so that you could live. And I just want to let you know, you're not called to live a life to simply be happy. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to devalue you as a person saying, I just want you to be happy. I want you to be holy, because then you'll be happy. And I want you to serve God's purpose in this generation. The enemy tried to take you out before you were ever born, but God made sure you were alive, and you need to live for God, live for the Lord, honor his word, honor up, honor down, and honor all around. And when you look at that name, that man that gave his life, don't ever forget what it costs for you to be here. Oh, and by the way, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son who stepped in your place and in mine, and he hung on a cross, and he said, I love you this much and stretched out his arms and he died so that you and I could be forgiven and we could live. Stand with me if you would as we close. So I don't know what has happened to you. I don't know what you experienced in life. I don't want to say that your pain wasn't real because it was. But what I do know is that there's a God in heaven who loves you. And you made it out of the womb and you're alive today. And he wants to free you, forgive you, make all things new. Just like my daddy that walked into a church service away from Jesus. Man, he got saved and slept a full night's rest for the first time in seven years past Vietnam. Jesus wants to make all things new in your life. But you got to come to him. You got to humble yourself. Today, if you're, you're here, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for two different people in the room today. 
I'm going to pray for those of you that you know you've been dishonoring God. We call it sin. It's destroying your life. The book of Proverbs talks about how, uh, how a man ruins his life and then blames the Lord. And that may be you today, online, in the house. Stop blaming. Own up. And know that there's a God in heaven that loves you. That Jesus stepped in and took your place and mine. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you're never too far from the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not honoring the Lord. I'm in sin. I'm away from God. Maybe you once followed Him, but you've gone, you've gone away. I'm not saying that you just stumbled here and there. We all do in many ways. But your heart has turned from God. Today, it's an opportunity to turn back to Him. Maybe you've never made this decision before to follow Jesus. The Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All who call on his name will be saved. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus, he really came, lived, died, was resurrected, you too can be saved. If you confess, which means to agree, if you agree with God that it's wrong, stop defending and pretending, but just agree and say, Jesus, I need forgiveness. He is faithful. He is just, 1 John 1, 9 says, to forgive us of all of unrighteousness, to make us clean. You may know something's wrong. God knows something's wrong. Today, you can get right with God, and it can change everything in your life as you make a decision to place your faith in Him and honor the Lord. And I'm going to pray for those of you that want to live a life of honor. You're just like, I'm doing pretty good. But you know what? I want to look for ways this week that I can change the world and sow seeds, not only to my future, but something that will bless the generations. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? You're here this morning online in the house. You say, Sam, I need to get right with God. I, I need that. I need that. Want to lead us in a prayer together. And if you pray this prayer from your heart, and you know whether or not it's genuine. I want to invite you to pray this prayer along with the whole church. And if you need forgiveness and grace and mercy, today God loves you so much, He wants to give that to you. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Everybody say, Jesus. Come on, out loud together. Jesus, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and make me new. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose to new life, and you're coming back again for me. And until that day, I will live for you. Right now, by faith, I'm a child of God, forgiven and free. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer in faith, you just got right with God. Your past is forgiven, your future is secure, and the Bible says when one person turns from their sin, all of heaven rejoices. Come on, true life. Let's thank God for his grace and his mercy. Now, Pastor Perry will come and give some instructions in just a moment, but I want to welcome you home to the family of God. I'd like to pray for you today that you and I will honor up, honor down, and honor all around. That we live a life of honor. We would value, 
we would love, man, we would bring it to our family, to our workplace, wherever we are, that we would make life better through honoring the Word of God. Lift your hands to heaven as I pray for you. Father, I prophesy and I declare over each one. You love them. They're called according to your purpose. Lord, your hand has been over their lives. Lord, I thank you that this week is going to be a week of divine appointments, divine opportunities to sow seeds of honor, to bring your love, your grace, and mercy to the world that's all around them. God, to their family, to strangers, wherever they are. Lord, I thank you that life's about to get better. Lord God, we worship you. We thank you. And every seed of honor that was sown through Serve Day, Lord God, I pray it would bring a generational blessing that people would hear and they would be drawn to the goodness of God. I thank you for this great church, these amazing people called according to your purpose. May we, uh, by the power of your spirit, live lives and be people of honor. In Jesus' name.